Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Journeys with Jenny. I am Jenny, and I am so happy you are here. We are in early stages of this project, but I am so excited to share with you an interview. Not even an interview. It's more of just a beautiful conversation with a very dear friend of mine named Amelia. Amelia is a powerhouse woman and a dear friend who has helped me through some really difficult times in my life. She is the person I go to to bounce off the crazy, spiritual, deep, how-do-we-do-life ideas. So she jumped on a conversation with me, and there's just this beautiful flow of talking about everything from ghosts and letting go to relationships to figuring out who you are. All of that is packed in here, so I'm really excited to share that with you. So thank you, everyone, and enjoy. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, thank you. Oh, Amelia, thank you for doing this. Yes, I'm excited. We have nervous, excited. I'm super nervous. I have no idea what I'm doing. But everyone's (laughs) like, you just have to do the first one and let it be bad, and then do another one and let it be really bad, and then do another one. Thank you for being my first victim of (laughs) imperfection. I think Um, this is such a powerful lesson in letting go of outcomes right now right yes oh yes and that is one of the hardest things to do but i've been getting that message over and over again just yesterday i was watching like those ghost hunter shows right and they're always going in and coaching these ghosts to let go is this just like a forever thing is that what they do yeah they let them let go of this let go of your past, move on into the light, helping them transition from being stuck and haunted to wherever, whatever happens next. <laughs> That's incredibly sweet. I didn't realize they were rescue missions. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm it's way more interested. I'm way more interested yeah. in watching. I've never watched them. I've always been kind of fascinated by it, right? But that's really interesting that it's like, let us help you let go. And you're like, oh, so it never ends. We're just going to be learning this lesson for the rest of our life. Yeah. And our afterlife. And our afterlife. It's just going to keep coming up like, okay, wow, surrender. (laughs) I need to sit with that, that even the ghosts haven't learned how to surrender. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We're still hanging on. Even when there's really no reason to. I suppose there never is Mm. reason to hang on (laughs) to things that just gotta, just gotta let go. I was really thinking about this, like even just the physical action. You know how a little baby, when you give them your finger and they just grasp it and there's like this beautiful moment where you're really excited. Oh my gosh, like they're holding on. And just that as these very, very newborn babies wanting to hold on to something. And their grasp is strong, right? Like it's, yeah. we all kind of have this reaction once they grasp your finger and it, it, it's kind of like this excitement, this thrill. Oh my gosh, there's power in you and your little tiny yeah. fingers. And it's this moment. And yet even just that physical action of grasping and how do we, how does that follow us our entire lives from that first moment? That's a crazy thought. And it is how much of our life is learning to like 
let go and and just kind of just be be in the experience the humor of spiritual journeys is i feel like we have all the answers yeah right we know that that is a key we know that that is an answer to so many of the issues and yet and that's the spiritual journey right you can read all the books and you can absorb this information and you can know how important this is but walking it out is feels like the impossibility it's that paradox of just of I don't even think that's the right word. I think it's just the embodiment of all the wisdom that we collect in in our lives. But being able to actually live it and experience that and have that be a part of who you are. Every single time I start to think about it, it blows my mind. I was thinking about this the other day, how, how much, I think I was talking with you about it, how we try to like transcend our human experience. Called out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's like this whole thing where we're trying to transcend this human experience, but the answer is we have to go deeper into it. We have to let ourselves feel our feelings when actually not attached to them, just let them go. We have to bring this wisdom that we have, that our bodies have already that we've learned over and over again, and we have to actually do it. And that's the part that's like screeching halt, you know? (laughs) I think that's the part where we're like, skip, let's move past that. Well, and I think you hit it too, because I've heard that wisdom a lot, right? Let the emotions ride, let the feelings ride, watch the waves kind of pass. I think that differentiation that I know I keep confusing is emotions with intuition Mm. where you're trying to find that deeper knowing and that wisdom and that embodiment, like you said, but those feelings come and they feel so true because it comes with those physical sensations, right? So all our emotions carry these super physical sensations and it's deep in your gut. And we talk about Mm. those gut feelings and yet it's still just gut anxiety. It's not gut Mm. truth. Right. I have gut feelings and they are not good feelings, but this is anxiety. This is depression. It's this big swirling hurricane. And I think, like you said, how do we ride those waves and kind of let them go? But also learning how to trust yourself, too. That is a really tricky one. Amelia. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have anything to talk about that of how do you learn self-trust when you feel like your emotions are constantly telling you, Things are terrible. Things are awful. You're never going to make it through. Yes. And I I have experience with that myself. I have depression. I have anxiety. I have PTSD. So those things, they come with those intrusive thoughts and the anxiety that's just there for no particular reason. The depression that's that's just kind of gives me that melancholy bent to everything. I've struggled with that for a while. I've had it for a while and I've, I've tried many different things. The things that have helped me is uh, mindfulness, meditation, not getting attached to the thoughts or the feelings themselves, and just the experience, the fact that I have felt that way and I have felt really good. There have been times in my life when I'm very happy. In general, that's more often now than it ever was. So I've, I've been practicing that enough to know that 
they are temporary. The feelings are temporary. The thoughts are temporary. And the only thing that makes them stick around is when I'm trying to analyze them or why are you here or how do I get rid of you? And that kind of creates the attachments to them where it makes it a thing. It makes it something instead of being just an experience in this moment. Those moments can be very, very hard, like gut-wrenching. You're stuck in that feeling of everything's horrible. But if you don't attach to it, when you remember that this too shall pass, and you remember the points in your life where there, there have been good times, there has been happiness, and remembering the gratitude for those those things and the people that that are around you, it helps to get through those moments. When you're starting to practice that acceptance of this is just where I am right now and it will pass, you start to be a little bit more comfortable just observing yourself in the sadness rather than being in the sadness or the anxiety or whatever it is, you start to observe yourself in in that, starting with your body sensations, like my butterflies in my stomach, like, oh, this is anxiety. This is me in anxiety. And my whole self is not this thing in anxiety, but this part of me is. And you start to learn to hold space for those parts of you when you are scared for no reason. <laughs> when you're just like, oh, something's wrong. And you start to see yourself taking a step back and saying, this is just my nervous system right now. It's not me. <laughs> I love that you're talking about this because this happened to me last night and today, really. My partner and I have had like a really crazy couple of months. It's just been nonstop stress. And it's just been building, 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 building. He was coming home from a project and I was like, we're going to have to talk about this. Something's got to give, right? And he comes home and he was full of all of this good news. I wasn't ready for it. And I think when he said, this is my nervous system, I was still in like, Oh, yeah. everything's awful and we're going to have to fix it and da da da. And then he's coming to me and he's like, no, this project was postponed. This one's coming through. This is going on. This is going on. And he gave me a list of like five wonderful things that just shifted through phone calls and through messages that he just went through in the last day before coming home. And I felt terrible, but I couldn't switch off the anxiety. He's telling me these things. And I need a minute before I can celebrate because I was so set mm -hmm. and so focused on these issues, <laughs> which sounds so silly, right? If a magical fairy comes and tells you that everything's better and you're almost mad at the fairy, my nervous system couldn't accept the good news. It felt unbelievable. I'm still mad. I still have <laughs> some anger to go through, but I'll come around to the good news and celebrate with you. But I'm just not yeah. ready yet. And it was such a strange reaction, right? But I don't know if anyone else, if, if you can identify, if anyone else can identify with that, of you're so stuck in your mud that even when something changes, yeah, your headspace is still stuck in the mud, right? Yeah, your, your nervous system, it was gearing up for a fight for you to lay out these things and have this discussion. I can laugh about it now, but a few hours ago, I still need to be upset a little bit. Longer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It helps me a lot to kind of take a step back 
These are the physical sensations I'm going through. These are the emotions that are happening right now. And not get attached to any one story of it. Because I can justify anything. You can logic your way into any emotion or out of anything. So just sitting and watching it happen and letting that kind of settle itself down, that has helped me tremendously in just being able to stay calm, not fly off the handle for whatever reason. With the observer and that deeper self, Richard Ward calls it the immortal diamond, that thing inside of you that is eternal. If I've learned anything, it's it's that real voice always feels expansive, right? And I think that's always my cue when things feel really heavy, real hard, impossible. This, this, this. In yoga, they, um, they love defining things in yoga and and their yoga philosophy. They like, they love lists. Everything's in a list. There's like, here's the eight lens of yoga and here's the five things and here's the three things and here's the 10 things. They, they love it and they break it down beautifully. But one of the things they talk about is this idea that one of our causes of suffering is confusing the permanent with the impermanent. Anytime you're like, it'll always be terrible forever and ever, and I will never be happy again, right? Mm -hmm. And we can laugh about it, but like, how many times have we said that to ourselves? Oh, yeah. Every time. Every single time. It's like, this is it. Always. These nevers. But but these always and these nevers that kind of trap us can definitely be that voice where you realize that that's not that's not the deep inner voice. That's not the deep inner voice talking. I think that can circle back to how to trust yourself, right? Is if you, you reach beyond that point where it's those, these absolutes that you're just talking about, you know, and you find that eternal diamond or you find that space. That's one way that you can start to begin to trust yourself again because you're not going off these emotions, these feelings that are temporary. Amelia, what has your journey been with self-trust? What has that been like for you? I know that's big. That's a big one. That's a big one. In some ways, there's been a knowing where it's like, there are certain things I just, I just trust myself on more than anything. I've always been one to follow my inner guidance when it comes to spirituality and that's been a struggle in my family where they're not open to that. But it's something that I just knew. I trusted that there was something there. And yet, in other parts of my life, there's been, I think I know what I'm doing. And then I figure out that I had no idea what I was doing. And then after that, I'm, well, how, how do I trust myself with that? One of my favorite stories to tell is about when I first fell in love with um, my now husband, it had been a year where I was out of this really bad, abusive relationship that just threw me for a loop. I didn't really trust anybody after that. I didn't trust myself in picking a partner that, that I could trust. And I especially didn't have any trust that I could fall in love with somebody again and be okay. But as we dated and, and got to know each other, I felt myself opening up in that way. 
but in a sort of like unconscious way. Like I wanted it, but consciously I was still very guarded, still protective of myself. So there was a point when he gave me a kiss and I felt this, this swell of love like come up and I, I was ready to dive into it. But then this fear came up too. And I had this choice where I could, I felt it internally. I could pull back and move away or I could go forward. And in that moment, I turned to myself and I said, regardless of what happens, I will be here for me. I won't self-abandon again. So I could take this risk because I know I can trust myself to show up for myself and not demean myself or judge myself or berate if anything went bad. That is so loving. I think about all the times we make decisions in our lives and we want that safe person to tell us that it's okay. And even if it was a mistake, but just to like hold us and encourage us and be there without the judgment. But the fact that you said, I want to be that for me. Yeah. You gave yourself permission. Yeah. Yeah. I gave myself permission to go ahead, take that risk because if it went bad, I wouldn't turn on myself. I think we do that a lot in many different areas where if something doesn't go the way we thought it should or it just doesn't work out for whatever reason, we turn on ourselves and we say, I did wrong, I did bad, it's my fault in some way. That's just a form of abandoning yourself in when you need support, when you need to feel that grace that you're, you're yearning for somebody else to give you, which is not to say you shouldn't have somebody else to give you that support or want that, but it starts in yourself. It starts with, at the very least, don't, don't, don't turn on yourself. <laughs> Emily, that's so good. Regardless of what happens, I'll still be here for me. How does one stop turning on yourself? <laughs> Maybe that's the, a, a weird way to phrase it, but but you're absolutely right. I I do this all the time. The the judge, right? <laughs> yes. Oh man, you really screwed that one up, and yeah. and it just spirals, hamster wheels, really yeah. bad into judgment, judgment, judgment. How were you able to step out of that judge role for yourself? How were you able to show up for yourself in such a beautiful way? Thank you. It takes practice. It takes a lot of practice, a lot of practice. And I started off, if I wouldn't say it to a friend or if a friend of mine came to me and said this about herself, what would I say? Would I allow my friend to sit there and be like, I'm a terrible person. I deserve this, whatever. Like I really messed this up. Or would I want to remind her of the light, the goodness, the fact that everybody makes mistakes. Is it a mistake if you learn something, you know, really, is it? So that's where I started, countering those thoughts, imagining if a friend said that about herself, what would I say to her? And then just extending that to myself, extending that grace and that patience so that 
you kind of interrupt that that spiral. And so you showed up for yourself. You took this courageous step to love again, mm-hmm. which is massive. Yes. <laughs> it is. And how long has that journey been with you and your husband? We have been together eight years and we have been married for five months. Yeah. Yeah. I know we talked a little bit about this, but just that that shift into marriage and how yeah. you said some things changed and other things didn't change at all. Yeah, it's 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 wild, really, because like we've been living together for three years. We're still living together. <laughs> that hasn't changed much, but some things really have. There's no reason to hide anything anymore. There's no reason to like, you know, feel like, oh, my God. He might leave me at any second because I have abandonment issues. <laughs> the fears. Yeah. yeah. While he's there, he's it's okay. Well, wow. There it is. Okay. <laughs> it's crazy. The reason I think that we work out so well together is because we balance each other out in ways that I, that I was really unconscious of before. That balance. Amelia, I yeah. love that you shared that story of of coming out of the bad relationship, coming into the good one, but having a lot of fears. I went through something really similar where I remember with my partner, we were long distance the first few months, six months, six months. We had met at an event. Then I got on a plane that very same morning and I'm like, peace out and (laughs) not interested, right? This, this, This is not going to work. I live in another country at the time. So we became pen pals. And so we started through that. We started video calls. I remember this really specific moment where everything in me said yes. And I don't know what we were talking about on the phone. It wasn't even anything about the future or anything like that. Yeah. But everything in me was like, this is it. This is your, this, this is your person. Yeah. This, this is it. <laughs> that being said, Once I came home and it became a reality that we were making this relationship work, all the fears came back. Mm -hmm. And you actually recommended a book to me at that time. And you recommended a book called Existential King. Ah, yeah. Do you remember Um, this one? I do. Yes. And Existential King, do you know the author? Caroline Elliott. Caroline Elliott, Existential King. And to be honest, I don't think I finished the book, but I got to an exercise that was about naming your fears, um, getting it out on the page. I realized I was trapped in this fear of it not working, that I've wasted my time, that all of this was a failure, that if it doesn't work, you know, this absolute fear that the relationship wouldn't work. And on the other side, I realized I was in absolute fear that it was going to work. Oh, yeah. I was terrified. And so even though I had that peaceful, wonderful moment months ago of like, this is great. This is your person. Congratulations. Now that it was actually at that decision point, are we doing this? And that absolute fear of it working out. And maybe that sounds crazy to some people, but think about that. Your life will never be the same. Yes. Your your life choices, the compromises that are going to be coming yes. in, your lifestyle, what country I'm going to live in, all of my identity was suddenly at stake if this relationship yeah. was going to work out. Massive changes were going to have to happen in my life. 
So you had recommended that book that I remember it was like a fear inventory. I think that's what it was. The the deepest fear inventory. That's what the she calls it. The deepest fear yes. inventory. Yes. And I highly recommend everyone to check this book out. I think that's why I never finished the book because that exercise radically changed. I did that exercise and I'm like, cool. But realizing before that I had not named that I had a deep fear of the relationship working. It gave me so much to unpack and work on and realize why things felt so tense and why I couldn't just be happy because I was like, I I don't want it not to work. I, I don't want it to fail. And I also am terrified that it is going to work. And so I was walking this very weird line of zero yeah. commitment and complete fear. Wow. That's crazy. We do that to ourselves so much where we think we fear one thing, but really it's something like way in there. Wow. That's crazy. Amelia, it was, it, it was such a door opening for me when I was able mm-hmm. to journal. I am afraid of this working. I had fears about this working and, and that gave me something to unpack. That gave me something to work through. Jenny here again. I had to cut that interview at an awkward place because there's even more and I realized it's going to be better with two parts. So stay tuned for the next part. I hope this was just as fun for you as it was for me. It was just a blast talking to Amelia. Thank you so, so, so much. And again, this is Journeys with Jenny. Currently, I'm on YouTube and I think I just figured out how to get this in podcast form. So you can now look up Journeys with Jenny on podcast in case you're driving. Don't crash because you're trying to watch a video. And again, thank you for joining me for this crazy journey. You guys are the best. Thank you. Bye.